0: Today, we're going to continue on through the Old Testament. Now, if you remember, with our normal study, we got all the way up to the historical books of uh, Esther, Nehemiah, and Ezra, and we've gotten everything taken care of up to what is known as the poetry books, which is Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Uh, I'm not going to go over those at this point, but we're going to move right into what is called the prophets. Uh, And I think it's very important for us to understand that, especially if you're listening or reading stuff out there right now. It's very important for you to have an understanding of the major prophets, which are Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel and Daniel, as well as the 12 minor prophets. Now, why, why is that so important? Well, because I think they're oftentimes misused and we forget who they're for or who they're about and how we join into it. What do you mean, George? Well, we're going to look at the book of Isaiah today. Now, Isaiah is a very important book because it shares a lot of prophecies concerning the Messiah, who we know is Jesus. And it's also going to be, as the title of our lesson is, it's the judgment of God and the blessing of God, the judgment of God upon Judah and Israel, uh, and the blessing of God in their restoration. Now, as we get through it, you're going to see that it's about Israel. In fact, the Old Testament is all about Israel. Now... As I mentioned before, when we've maybe looked at the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel, you've got you to grasp who we're talking about if you're going to understand what's happening here. And I'll tell you why. Well, about 10 years ago or more, there was a book. I won't, I won't tell you the title of the book, but it came out with some guy who had a vision. And it's, it's gained some popularity in Christian circles. And where he talked about that Isaiah points to America. Um, you know, I've read through this book many times, have taught through this book. I have yet to see anywhere where it says America, okay, or talks about America. Just because some guy had a dream and the dream told him it's about America, that's not valid. But what this book is about is Israel and the Messiah. And now you say, well, how do we fit in there? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 11, 9, 10, 11, that we share in the promises given to Israel. We were the branches that were grafted in, okay? So we need to understand what's going on, and then we understand what's coming for us in the future. So don't read America into this, okay? America's not mentioned in the Old Testament at all, Okay? So, it's not mentioned in the New Testament either. First of all, they didn't even know America existed, okay? Well, and we know, if you know your history, we didn't exist until what? 400 years ago when they colonized here, okay? So, that's something very important. We gotta understand that if we're gonna enter into the study, okay? Now, let's get right into the study. This is an introductory thing. So, if you look at the prophets, they're divided into three sections, no, excuse me, two sections, and then we're going to talk about three time frames, okay? So two sections, the major prophets, those are the big books, the 12 minor prophets. Now we're going to go through in the adult class, we're going to go through each one of the prophets. Since we've already gone through Daniel already, we're just going to go through Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. When we're done with that, we're going to get into the 12 minor prophets. Okay, so that's where we're going from here. Okay, now when you say there's three time periods, what we're going to find is is that there were prophets with reference to the time periods of Israel. So like Isaiah, we're going to see that he is a pre-exilic prophet. Pre-exilic, what does that mean? Well, exilic means the exile. Which exile? The Babylonian exile. So this was a prophet who prophesied before Judah was taken away into captivity to Babylon. Then you're going to see that there are exilic prophets, not very many of them, but they are the prophets who prophesied during the exile. And then there are post-exilic prophets. These are the prophets who prophesied after Israel came back from the exile one of them you might know is Malachi, okay, Malachi, and that's the last book of the Old Testament. So let's get right into it. So let's talk about the author, all right? So we're going to talk about who is it that wrote this book, and he is mentioned in the historical books, Isaiah, okay, and, you, and you, if you read through the gospel, you hear the John the Baptist say, according to the prophet Isaiah, you know. These are all things that come out of this book. So let's talk about who this guy is. So the book identifies the author as Isaiah, the son of Amos. And we see that in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. So this is Isaiah, the son of Amos. His name means Yahweh is salvation. Now, we don't go by that in our culture, okay? We don't when we name a kid, we name a kid based upon maybe because somebody in our family was named that way, or we like that name, and so we name them that. In Israel, they named their children, and their name had a meaning. And sometimes it was reflective of the time period in which they were born or of the faith of the the parents and so forth. So remember, in Chronicles, there was a guy by the name of Jabez. How many of you have heard of the prayer of Jabez? Okay. Jabez means, are you ready for this? Pain. So maybe the mother, was a painful time when he was born or maybe she had great pain when she gave birth to him. But in his prayer, he talks about not wanting to cause more pain. All right, so here we have a guy, his name is Isaiah. His name means Yahweh is salvation. God is salvation. That's what his name is, okay? Now, the more is known of Isaiah than the other prophets. So this one prophet that we're looking at, we know more about him than any of the other prophets, yet the information is limited so even though we know a lot about him we only have a limited amount of information as to who he is and he's the one guy that we know the most about some of the others we don't know very li- we know very little about them okay so Isaiah probably lived in the city of Jerusalem he probably lived within the city or on the outskirts of the city So he's from the province of Judah. The kingdom of Judah. He appears to have access to the royal court. He appears to have access to the royal court. Because he's able to go. But then of course he is a prophet. And I'll explain to you what a prophet is here in a moment. Some believe that Isaiah was a priest... But, there, but no evidence supports this view. You'll read some people and they'll say, Isaiah was a priest. Well, that may be true, but that may not be true because there's nothing in evidence to prove that, okay? All we know is, is he was a prophet. Now, let me explain to you what a prophet is real quick. When we look at the nation of Israel, we understand the monarchy, okay? So we understand the kings. There's only one king, right? All right? And then he has his sons who are princes and so forth. We understand the priesthood. So there's the high priest and the other priests who serve where? In the temple. Now, there was a third office in Israel that had significance. It's not established in the law, but it's very much a part of their society, their culture. Their existence as a people. And that was a prophet. Now, a prophet was somebody that was chosen to be a spokesman of God. And he was told only to say what God had said. In fact, there's a story in Kings of a prophet who was told to go to the northern kingdom and prophesy against Jeroboam, the first king of the northern kingdom, prophesy a judgment... And then when he was done with that prophecy, he was to immediately return to Judah. If he didn't do that, he would get in trouble, so to speak. Well, I'll explain to you what the trouble was. So he goes, makes this prophecy, says that Jeroboam is going to die, and that one day somebody's going to come and destroy that altar in Bethel. He then starts heading home. There was another prophet, if you remember the story, that prophet came and told him a lie and said, God told me to tell you to stay with me and have dinner with me. So he turns around and goes and has dinner with this other prophet. After he's done, he says, okay, I got to head on my way. So on his way, he gets attacked by a wild animal and killed. And the prophet who deceived him said... It's because you didn't obey the Lord. And he had him buried there on the hillside overlooking this false um, idol, this altar that Jeroboam had set up. And then when that prophet who lied died, he said, bury me next to that prophet. And the reason why later is that when Josiah comes and cleanses and destroys that temple, he has all the bones of the people who were buried there, burned on this false altar except he leaves the grave of who they said that's the prophet who prophesied against this place and they left him and the other prophet alive it's in it's in kings second kings you would find it a very interesting story but that's the point the point was is they had to say what god said no matter what and sometimes they got in trouble Because sometimes what is being said is not what was wanting to be heard by the king or by the people. So we don't know if he was a priest, but we do know he was a prophet. And we know that because we're going to look at a passage where he's called. Okay? Where he's called. Here's the next thing. According to tradition, he was the cousin of King Uzziah. You remember Uzziah? He was a king. He reigned for 52 years he had a very prosperous reign. And what happens sometimes is when everything goes well, your pride takes over. And he decided that he wanted to serve as a priest and went into the most holy place to offer incense. And they were trying to get them out of there. And the Lord struck him with leprosy. And then they rushed him out of there. And then he lived the rest of his life as the king, isolated in his own palace, and he died a leper. This is the Uzziah, okay? So he was supposedly a cousin, but no evidence supports this. Again, there's no evidence. It's just speculation, okay? Isaiah was married. We do know that he was married, okay? We know that from Isaiah chapter 8, verse 3. It's also referred to that his wife was called a prophetess, that she also prophesied, okay? Okay? Isaiah had two sons who he gave significant names. Now, I'm not going to even try to give you their names, okay? Uh, My Hebrew is not good, and these are very long. When we get to the passage, you'll see what they are. But that's found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 3, and Isaiah chapter 8, verse 3. Now, Isaiah was a pre-exile prophet, okay, to the southern kingdom of Judah, So he was a pre exile prophet. So at the beginning of his ministry as a prophet was at the very end of the northern kingdom, right before they would be destroyed by the Assyrians. But he didn't have a ministry to them. His ministry was primarily to Judah and Jerusalem, to the kings. Okay? Now, his contemporaries, that is, other prophets that we know of, were. Micah, Nahum, Hosea, Jonah, and Amos. So these are the minor prophets. They prophesied at the same time that Isaiah was prophesying. Okay? And maybe he knew them. Maybe he didn't. We don't know. Okay? We don't know, but these prophets. Some of them are mentioned in the historical books, Kings and Chronicles, okay? But they are contemporaries to Isaiah. So he ministered for 58 years, from about 739 to 681 B.C. So we're talking about that he ministered, are you ready for this, 700 years before Jesus came. Now that's going to be pretty significant for you and I. So like when we get to Isaiah 53 and we look at the the description of the suffering saint, of the suffering man, that is the suffering that the Messiah would go through. And you look at the description and how vivid it is. It is very much a portrait of what Jesus would go through on the cross. But that was what? 700 years before that event would even happen. So it's amazing. So he ministered for 58 years. So uh, let's see here. He ministered during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, and Manasseh, kings of Judah. So he ministered during these kingdoms. Okay. Some of those kings liked him. Some of those kings Didn't have any time for him. Okay? And that's because some of the kings that are listed here are known as good kings. Some of them are known as bad kings because why? They did evil in the sight of the Lord. That would be Manasseh. And actually, here we go. Here's the reigns of the kings. So if you have your study sheet, you can see there Uzziah, he reigned from 790 to 739 B.C., there's the scripture passages both in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles that tell you about him. Jotham, he reigned from 750 to 732. Ahaz reigned from 735 to 715. Hezekiah reigned from 715 to 7 excuse me to 686 and then Manasseh reigned from 6 86 to 642. Now, let's uh, move on here. So the date of his death is unknown. We don't know exactly when Isaiah died. We do know when it happened. It happened during the reign of Manasseh. Okay, now one of the judgments against Manasseh before he turned back to the Lord was is that he shed innocent blood in the city. So he killed the innocent. One of those he had killed is Isaiah. It was probably after Hezekiah's reign, Hezekiah's death in the reign of Manasseh. So sometime in 686 to 642 BC, we're going to see that's the time of Isaiah's death. Now, according to tradition, he was martyred by order of Manasseh. So the king had him killed. That's according to Jewish tradition. Tradition states that he was killed by being sawn in two with a saw. That's pretty torturous. Now, some people are like, how do you do that? Well, some of the traditions say that he was stuck in a hollow log. And then they sawed through with a saw. Do you understand? To kill him. Some say maybe it was without the law. We don't know. But just to tell you the brutality of the torture of the manner in which he was killed. This is what happened to this prophet. Okay? This is what happened to this prophet. So let's talk about the purpose. Okay? I already told you the purpose of this book isn't to tell you about America. Okay? Okay? That's not the purpose of this book. The purpose of this book isn't even to tell you about what's going to happen in the future for you. Sometimes we have a, a thought that prophecy is about what's coming in the future. No, what prophecy is, is a proclamation of what God is going to do. Some of the things that are going to be proclaimed about here have already happened. Some of the things that are going to be proclaimed have yet to happen. Okay? So we're going to see that. So the book seeks to remind its readers of the special relationship that they had with God. That's the purpose of Isaiah. The purpose of Isaiah is to remind the readers, the Jewish readers, and even to remind us of the special relationship that we have with God. So when you come to the judgment passages the judgment passages on the Jews that are in Judah, it's very much going to be the, the cry of God in his disappointment with them and their rejection of him. It bothers God that they would reject him and worship false idols. Do you understand what I'm saying? It bothers God. Sometimes I think we, we forget that and we move that from our mind That God has feelings. He does have feelings. He has feelings that are towards you. And when you and I do wrong, it bothers him. And that's because he has a relationship with us, a special relationship. Okay? Let's go on here. Isaiah is calling the people of Judah back to a covenantal relationship with God. So he's calling them back into the relationship. Yes, he's pronouncing judgment. Yes, he's saying that God is going to deal with them and punish them. But guess what he's doing? He wants them to come back. So listen to me. This is the point that you and I have to understand. I think this is relevant to where we are, especially in church. The purpose of all discipline, if you want to write this down, you can. The purpose of all discipline is restoration period. The purpose of all discipline is restoration. Now we have, can I be honest with you, we have a concept that comes from our country that says the purpose of all discipline is justice, bringing justice, making things right. Yes, that's true. That is an element of that. But ultimately, though, in the scripture, especially when we get into the New Testament, the purpose of God's judgment and discipline is a restoration. It is the wanting to bring people back into a relationship with him. Because that's what God ultimately wants. Because what we're going to see is, is that, especially in the Old Testament, the scripture is very clear. He takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked. But if they don't turn back to them, him, they're destroyed. But he doesn't take delight in that. Seriously, think about it. It's like a parent when you're disciplining your children. Did you really want to have to discipline them? No. Were you like, I can't wait till the next time they mess up? Nobody thinks that way. If you do, you need help. Because that's not normal. God's the same way. So he's calling the people of Judah back to a special relationship. So, the book is directed at two groups of people. Okay? So, it's directed at two groups of people here. It's written to those of his generation who had forsaken their obligations to the law. So, the first thing who's the book of Isaiah written to? The people he was writing to at the time. You've got to remember that, it's very important. This is not just some supernatural book that was put together for people later on to understand because the people back then didn't understand it. No, the people back then, it was written for them and it's to draw them back into what? A covenantal relationship with the Lord because they had forsaken their obligations under the law. So that's who the first group of people is, okay? Here's a, Isaiah is calling them back to obedience and holiness, He's calling them back to what they should be in the Lord. So he's calling them back to obedience and holiness. Now, here's the other one. It's written to a future generation who would be in exile. Who would be in exile? Israel. It's written to a future generation who are in exile. Now, would you agree with me they're in exile? Yeah, they're still scattered throughout the world. And this is written to them as the ultimate promise of what God's going to ultimately do. We're going to see that He's ultimately, when we get to the latter part of Isaiah, He's ultimately going to bring them back to the land. To the land. This is the amazing thing about this book. The amazing thing about this book. Now, Isaiah is assuring them that God will restore the nation to its land and establish a kingdom of peace. Okay, is that true today? Well, he's restoring them to the land, but is it a kingdom of peace? All you got to do is turn on the news, right? A month doesn't go by that you're reading something about what? Jerusalem, Israel, stuff happening, and it isn't peaceful. That's not what they're known as, right? So, but this is the future. Because look, you and I understand, when will peace ultimately come to Israel? Anybody know? When Jesus Christ returns and sets up his kingdom. Then there will be peace, right? So he's going to restore the nation and establish a kingdom of peace. Who's that going to be under? The Messiah. All right, Jesus. Now there are two primary themes that emerge from the book of Isaiah. So there's going to be two themes that emerge from the book, okay? Two themes. The first theme is judgment, which is evident in the first section. So that's in Isaiah chapter 1 through chapter 39. That's the first theme, judgment. And of course the judgment is going to be expressed towards Judah, Jerusalem, but it's also going to be expressed to the nations around them. Okay? To the nations that are around them, judgment. The second theme is salvation and comfort, which is evident in the second section, Isaiah 40, through 66. Okay? So there's going to be the emphasis on salvation. Through who? The Messiah. And the suffering servant. Which is evident in this section. So we're going to see that. Okay, so now we're going to have what is... I'm going to give you the structure of the book. So if you look on your page there, you're going to see that we can divide the book into three sections that are very interesting. Two sections are prophetic and then in the midst of it, what we'll call the interlude, is some historical narrative, okay? So the first section is during what is known as the Assyrian crisis. All right, the Assyrian crisis. We see that, that's the section that we'll call judgment. That's from chapter 1 all the way up to chapter 35. Then we're also going to see what is the historical narratives with Hezekiah. Okay? And you've heard these stories before about Hezekiah getting sick and he was going to die. And he asked God for more time and God gave him 15 more years and... and. Uh, you know, Isaiah formed some kind of potus out of some fruits and they put it on him and, the, you know, the sickness left him and so forth. That is happening in, uh, in this, this passage. Then when we get to Isaiah 40 through 66, it's about the Babylonian con- con- crisis. Well, you say, well, wait a minute, George. This is around the time of when the Assyrians are. Isaiah didn't live during the time of the Babylonians taking over. Yeah, that's why it's prophetic. Way before the Babylonian crisis would begin, he's telling them it's going to happen. And he's going to tell them how God will restore them ultimately. This is why it's prophetic. All right, so that brings us to our introduction.